Tech Talk. Tech Talk. On News Talk. Thanks to Think. From digital signage to audiovisual solutions, we've thought of everything. Visit thinkpm.ie. Hello and welcome to Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, comedian and podcaster Jardeth Regan joins me to discuss his life in tech. We'll hear about his very first phone and how technology helped keep his comedy career going during the pandemic. Derek Riley has a list of essential apps for EV drivers and we'll hear from the Irish company Hubcat about how they are using Bluetooth technology to help people keep their distance. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. But first... Jarlith Regan, uh, comedian, podcaster, the nation's sweetheart. Uh, firstly, how are you? <laughs> I mean, the nation's sweetheart is always good. That's how I, I'm glad you uh, announced me the way I insisted I was introduced. <laughs> you, your management, your people told me beforehand, if I don't refer to you as that, you won't talk to me. Uh, great to be on, Jess. You know I love tech talk and uh, I love talking about tech. Yeah, I'm excited you're my first guest to do this sort of look through your life in technology. Would you say you're a techie person in general? Relative to my parents, I'm Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, okay. It is a relative term, is mm-hmm. it not? I mean, uh, I've definitely built a career around it um, in many ways. Early adoption is what made Irishman abroad a hit in the beginning uh, to start with, that we were one of the first Irish podcasts uh, out there. And often now I get guests going, you were the first podcast I ever listened to. So in that way, I've had periods where I've been ahead of the curve uh, and then periods where I've really just not I've, I've really kind of uh, mixed up about where all of this is going. And I've lost the, you know, the kind of run of it in that the rise of other platforms like TikTok. Uh, and I guess that's going to happen. But overall, I, I do adore tech and innovation. Uh, I do find sometimes the ethics of it are what cause me problems. Yeah, and we will come to that because that is uh, a big issue. But if we look back, like you mentioned Irishman Abroad, that was the first podcast that a lot of people subscribed to. It was, I think, the first podcast that I backed on Patreon. Um, So you are innovating and finding new platforms. The last time we spoke, we did do a big conversation about the, the Patreon model, but also the fact that tech enabled you to do gigs from your front room. So was tech a bit of a lifeline to you over the last 12, 14, however long this has all been going on months? Yeah, I nearly completely forgot about that, to be totally honest with you, Jess, because it is so bound up in your actual life uh, that you don't nearly separate your online from your day-to-day life. But the last 18 months, I essentially had the face-to-face entertainment thing pulled from underneath me, like so many entertainers, was forced to... Um, use what we had in place, which was remote recording of episodes of the podcast and creating Zoom comedy, which got got such a dirty name to begin with. (laughs) People are like, Zoom comedy? Uh, Is that like a Zoom quiz just with uh, us not allowed talk? (laughs) uh, It really wasn't. I have to say, uh, I was really proud of what we built there, which was a model of that type of 
broadcast, interactive broadcast, that heaven forbid another lockdown comes along, I think that uh, people will be much better able and ready for the idea of the gig coming to them in their house and then potentially sitting in the front row. Uh, So in that way, it did save me. It did save me. Uh, You know, I talked to you, one of the first people I talked to about uh, crowdfunding the podcast and turning to those listeners who've been on board since day one and how much more of, uh, I guess, a stakeholder the listeners feel in it now that they're kind of, as I say, the lifeblood of the show and the reason it's still around. Uh, So in so many ways, that and getting my stand-up special uh, produced and put on the RTE player, uh, I really do have tech and the advancement of people and tech in their lives to thank for my sustainability and survival through the lockdown. Yeah, I think if a lot of people were to sort of stop and reflect, they would see without even realising it, as you said there, that tech has kind of, it's just an undercurrent of our lives now. I want to ask you, what was the first mobile phone you ever owned, Jarlis? Oh, like I'm sure loads of your upcoming guests are going to tell you, uh, it was the one given to me by Bank of Ireland when <laughs> I went to uh, university. Uh, people of my generation, and I hate saying that because <laughs> there really isn't any generations on this stuff, uh, but definitely that is a turning point, is it not, that we're looking at my kid and kids our kids and saying what age is the right age for this teenager to receive their first phone but you'd no option in around 1999 uh, 2000 you were going to receive a phone from the bank with which you opened your first account and that was the reason to open a bank account Uh, so the one that I got was a Philips it looked very much like a Fisher Price phone (laughs) and that that was the slagging that I got for it it did not have snake on it and uh, yeah quickly it became the running joke and least cool phone of that group of first years out in UCD because of course I was slow off the mark on everything back then (laughs) everyone else had gone in early and got the cool phone and I wound up with this that had a ringtone that sounded like, you know, a David O'Doherty song on a Casio keyboard. I'd take that. <laughs> I'd be up for that. <laughs> I, I loved the phone. It's still knocking about the place. I, I definitely am a collector and try to hang on to bits and pieces that I knew were going to be kitsch in years to come. I actually have my first phone on my desk here in News Talk and I bought it with my communion money. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I was a nerd from the second I came out of my mother's <laughs> tummy. I was a nerd and uh, it, it has an and it, it was uh, powered by rechargeable AAA batteries and I still have it and I love it. And I only wanted one because my, sis- my big sister had one and I had no one to call, nobody to text. <laughs> The numbers saved in it were my house number, which I know off by heart, and my granddad's mobile number. And that was it. That was the extent of my mobile phone usage when I was a kid. That, it has to be said, Jess, is among the most adorable first phone stories ever <laughs> told. I feel like it's very on brand for me, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, what are you using now then? Have you upgraded since your Philips? No, still using the same <laughs> Good one. Good man, course, quality you know, is great. <laughs> Apple X. I have to check what it was before I picked up the phone to you, mm. uh, Apple X S Max is what I'm on. Apple 10. Is that an X? The X? 10. We my... say the 10. 
Yeah, so that's what I'm that's what I'm on. And um yeah, I need a big big screen. That's what I'm after. And I've always veered towards the biggest screen possible. And I guess I've got some stupid loyalty to Apple in that way that uh, you know, I'm sure there's better phones, but you know the way it starts to become like <laughs> An abusive relationship that you can't mm-hmm. get out of. Yes. It's like, but I've set up my life around this Apple stuff. And I, I it would be too much hassle for me to run away and uh, start another relationship with Samsung or Motorola. <laughs> so now I'm stuck with this, uh, this turnover of uh, uh, iPhones. Uh, but this one... Uh, I feel like there was a change. This is a, a bit of tech talk proper mm-hmm. here. That with... There was a time when you buy an iPhone and you very much got the sense that they were releasing a phone and making your old phone redundant immediately mm-hmm. so that you had to buy the new phone. And, of course, the, it felt like the European Court of Justice took them uh, to task on that. And, yeah. you know, we'll never know the ins and outs of it. But clearly that was a tactic because you never were able to get your phone to update properly once the new phone came out. That seems to have stopped. And this one has been exceptionally good to me. And I, you wouldn't believe just the amount of stuff that I do on it related to the podcast in terms of video editing and uh, graphic design. That's all done via the phone. Uh, so in that way, it's the most it's the key part of my uh, office and production. Yeah, it is probably the most important tool that we have. Like I often joke about it, but I'm deadly serious in that if someone was to gain access to my phone or nick my phone or if I was to lose my phone, I genuinely would be lost because who? how would I call someone to tell them because there's no phone boxes plus I never have coins on me? I yeah. buy my Lewis ticket with my phone. I buy my coffees with my phone. Like I pay for everything with my phone. I don't talk to people, I just text them, so I wouldn't actually be able to go up and tell another human being that I have a problem. All of my emails, like it, it, it is essentially your office in the palm of your hand, for most of us anyway. Um, mm. But I agree with you on, on the Apple thing. I was the biggest Android fan you could ever meet. And then I started reviewing the iPhone 12, and a few months on, I'm still on the iPhone 12. But since I've got it, I now own an iPad, a Mac Mini, an Apple Watch. Like, I've become... Home, one of those people. Yeah, they hooked you in. And I have to say, the, uh, I don't have the fear of the phone being lost anymore because partially because of the watch mm. uh, that I'm not stuck. Uh, and I find that when I'm out running as well, just the lovely consciousness that you can just go, right, well, if I desperately need water, I can run to a shop and dink the watch and get it. But similarly, the they've just kind of streamlined things with the uh, mm-hmm. changeover from phone to phone. Does anybody remember, be interested to hear from your listeners, if anybody remembers the ordeal of moving oh. from one phone to the next? I remember breaking oh, out a copy book and a pencil and writing numbers from my dad's contact book from his <laughs> old phone and manually typing them into his other. I can't be the only person who's done that. Tech talk at newstalk.com if you've also lived and survived that trauma because it was outrageous. <laughs> 
It was like moving house. You it was wouldn't worse. wish it on your worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say my dad lost the majority of his phone numbers because I input them incorrectly with my fat little fingers when I was retyping them. So they've some definitely the things, streamlined Kat, it. Some of the things that got lost in the move from one phone to oh. the other. Tragic. Like I've lost baby photos of Michael, my son. I've lost like material documents, notes that were crucial to the next show I was going to do. And there's just this like hole in my timeline from oh that was the time that I got that phone <laughs> I, do, I pressed cancel mid transfer oh the stress <laughs> always, of that yeah I always say that if you you know if you want to quit coffee because you think it, it's you know you're addicted to it and but you still want to feel alive in the morning what you need to do is go to the factory go to settings on your phone and then hover your finger oh, no. over rest, rest, restore factory settings <laughs> Just hover your finger above it. <laughs> Nothing will make you feel more alive in, in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's how pathetic we've come, become as a people. Um, <laughs> I, I want to ask you a slightly more serious question now, because it's something you slightly touched upon at the top. But mm. I know that you use social media to promote the Irishman Abroad podcast and the different podcasts that you have, the different streams that you have. But mm. in general, what is your relationship with social media? Oh... Frosty, <laughs> I think it would be the best word. It, I go through periods of being like, oh, isn't this wonderful? And uh, then feeling like we're we're too into each other. Can can you stop? Uh, can this stop? I, I, I feel I've watched like I went to the Space Jam premiere the other day. Uh, it was a bad idea. Uh, but Warner Brothers were lovely and invited me to go along to it. So, of course, I bring Mikey and there's all these influencers at it, uh, tech people. And they're there with their little kids. And just like just seeing them on their phones throughout the movie, ignoring their children who are loving Space Jam 2. And to me, that's the big problem with social media. I technically could stay on it all day long. There would always be a reason for me to be on there. And there's always something I could be doing to promote the multiple podcasts that I've somehow wound up mm-hmm. making. Uh, but your child is going to remember mom or dad's face to the phone when they look across and go, isn't this great? Because there isn't a parent out there listening to this who hasn't had a moment of, oh, shit, I've got to put this phone away. Uh, they, oh, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm missing this. This is what my life is. And that that is just, a, you know, a, a vortex into which I'm not getting anything from. And when Mikey has, you know, his own Kindle, on which he plays a bit of Minecraft at the weekends. I see the impact that it has on him and a really impressionable mind. We watched The Social Dilemma and just had that discussion about the ethics of the companies that make these things. And nowhere along the line are they thinking, well, when do we make the user say enough? That's not in the equation. And educating our kids and ourselves to the idea that they are not concerned about your health 
all they are concerned with is you using more and more and more. Uh, so th- that's why my relationship is a little bit frosty mm. with the uh, with the with social media. Yeah, it's funny. I think your attitude, or I've noticed anyway, my attitude has changed as I watch my nieces and nephews grow up. You know, their relationship with technology has made me call into question, I suppose, my own relationship. And that brings us to my final question for you, Jared. It's very often in the media, um, it's said that, you know, technology has done great damage to society as a whole and it was better back in the day when you had to, you know, use a carrier pigeon to send a message. What's your overarching feeling on this? Do you think that technology has damaged society or is it just still in that transition period? I think it's nonsense. I I really do. I think it's absolute nonsense that uh, the introduction of new technology can be just labelled as damaging. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the same questions were raised about the telephone. Uh, when it first arrived, that it was going to ruin one-to-one conversation forever. Uh, And of course, there was a period when people were preferring to talk over the phone than to meet in person. And with every change that comes along, there needs to be a pendulum swing from one side to the other, and then a happy medium is found. I do think we're at a strange point with it, and that it's a bit of the Wild West at the moment. So in that way, yes, it probably is damaging at the moment. But when uh, change comes along as rapidly as it has, uh, eventually, (laughs) eventually we get to a point where... Uh, some sort of reasonable amount or uh, usage is arrived at. I just don't think, Jess, that we found that and that uh, we certainly don't have laws in place for how the platforms are to operate. Uh, This last week over here in the UK with uh, the abuse of these players you know, it just it's so obvious to everyone that if you make a comment about vaccines, Twitter can spot that in an instant. Mm-hmm. Yet they are blind to racist and hateful speech uh, and go to their go to defense of, well, we're just a reflection of society, are we not? It's not really the case. And allowing them that kind of a cop out, I think, is not good enough anymore. And the sooner we get to the point that we realize that you're actually an accomplice in uh, facilitating hate speech through these platforms by not regulating what people are allowed say uh, we're, we are going to have a problem but I just I, I think that eventually we'll get there a bit like a bit like the pandemic itself that is a nice optimistic-ish note to leave things on uh, Jared Regan it's always a pleasure to have you on Tech Talk thank you so much for your time Oh, Jess, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Coming up next, Derek Riley's list of essential apps for your EV. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. On News Talk. Thanks to Think. From digital signage to audiovisual solutions, we've thought of everything. Visit thinkpm.ie. Tech Talk at Newstalk.com is the email address as ever if you want to get in touch or you'll find me on Twitter at Jess Kelly NT. Uh, it has been a very EV a sort of mobile mobility, micro mobility week here on Newstalk. Earlier in the week, Kieran Cudahy was out on my Xiaomi M365 scooter, just taking for a bit of a test drive, seeing how viable 
it would be for him to use an e-scooter as part of his journey up and down from Kilkenny. So obviously he'd get the train, he wouldn't scoot the whole way up. Um, But he was really impressed by it. And then we had a really interesting panel discussion uh, with Conor Faulkner and then the guys from Zip Mobility just looking at the future of the transport landscape here in Ireland and where e-scooters fit in. You can listen back to that feature in full on the Newstalk app powered by GoLoud. But we have our EV micromobility Mobility expert uh, Derek Riley of the EV Review Ireland YouTube channel with us now. Derek, how are you? Very good. Thank you very much. Uh, exciting week in the world of EVs uh, by the sounds of it. Yeah, no, it really was. I, I think it's interesting when people um, give the scooters a go because as we, we, we've we kind of talked through some of the um, different models that are available in the past and not just scooters but different types of vehicles that can, or yeah, vehicles that can get you around and Kieran said to me that he enjoyed it much more than he thought he would. Uh, it's more impressive than he thought it would be. And I think for a lot of people who might write them off, I would say just give them a go. Absolutely. And it's the same with a lot of electric, whether it's a car, whether it's a van, whether it's a scooter, whether it's an e-bike. It's all about getting, pardon the pun, bums on seats or mm-hmm. legs on boards or whatever it may be. Uh, and once somebody experiences it, they go, oh, oh. No, I, I understand now. And then they can make it that educated decision where it's, it's great to hear that Kieran enjoyed it and mm-hmm. uh, it'll be part of his, potentially part of his journey. Yeah, I think uh, um, something that we've kind of covered on, on Tech Talk in the past is about the reputation that e-scooters have. I think at the moment, until the regulation comes in and until people are giving them, whether it's their kids, their teenagers, even if they're adults themselves and they're not behaving properly on them, I do think there's a bit of a pure job to be done about how beneficial they are and they're not toys. Connor Faulkner made that point on the hard shoulder that they're not toys and I think if they're used properly, it can really make an impact. For sure. And, and there's definitely, you can see European cities that have brought it in in legislation that they can use it or you can use the, the uh, like the zip mobility that was on the panel, that rental scheme, um, the, the benefit it is to the city. It's amazing. The, 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 the number of cars it takes off the road, the number of people that are able to move around that potentially weren't able to move around before because they may have been afraid of public transport just with the, the times that we live in. Um, so there's definitely case studies already out there. We're not leading the field by this in any case. So we're coming up behind, but hopefully we'll come up behind with a better a better rollout. Mm, we might come back to um, the near future and talk through the, the models that are there to coincide with the legislation that uh, Minister Eamon Ryan has said will be coming to pass in September. But Derek, we want to talk today about something a little bit different. And this is, as I understand it, digital tools to help EV drivers in the form of apps, right? Very good. Yeah, absolutely. So when anybody buys an electric vehicle, one of the things that they may need to do and probably will need to do is have a smartphone and then have a couple of apps. And what I've done is I've put a list together uh, of six with an extra one at the end tacked in as a bonus. So don't go, oh my God, I need six apps. I'm going to go through what each of them do and why you'd have them on your phone. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have all six, but some people might have two or three or some people have all six. It depends on what you need it for. Um, So yeah, it's, it's definitely something I get asked a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny because a, a lot of people I'm I'm seeing more and more EVs or even um, the hybrids around the place now, which I think is great. I do still see questions on whether it is Twitter or you know under YouTube videos such as your own when people are reviewing um, electric vehicles about the charger network in Ireland, finding information about that, finding 
all of these little tools, I suppose, to try and make your experience as an EV driver that bit easier. So let's talk through your list. What's, what's the first one? Number one is an Irish one, and it is EasyGo. Uh, so it's an Irish company, private, and what they do is they install chargers themselves uh, as in around the country, so they have a network of fast chargers, but they also put chargers into the likes of hotels and places where you may be. So they would have been part of the rollout at some of the supermarket chains like Aldi and Lidl. Um, and so, and then they have, they put in commercial chargers into businesses. So it's kind of like an all-encompassing, and I really referenced this app because you can use this app on the ESB network, on their own network, and then on Circle K slash Ionity network. So if you were only to have one app, this would be the app I'd recommend. You open it up, it shows you your location, and it'll give you a radius around where you're looking as to what charges are available, which ones are in use. And the beauty of it is you can rock up with your EV and either use the app on your phone to start the charge and it'll talk about plugging in the cable, let's start charge now, or it might be the other way around, let's start the charge and then plug in the cable. Um, and then, or if you've got, sometimes some of these locations don't have the best phone coverage, you can also request a kind of little fob that you can have on your keyring uh, and you can utilize it uh, old school without using the app. And this is something that we've spoken before, but will that app tell you when you're charged or is that a separate app again? What the app will do is it'll let you how know you let you know how long you've charged, what the cost will be. Um, what you'll do is once you start the charge, you'll just pop back into the car or van, and it'll tell you exactly how long is left until okay. you reach the percentage that you want to reach at. So what we, what we recommend is getting up to about 80% because what happens after 80%, the battery starts to throttle down uh, and it won't take that full charge. So between 20 and 80% is the, the sweet spot to be out charging at. And really what you want is just enough charge to get you home because yeah. once you're home then and you're sleeping in bed, you can have the charge tipping over. So EasyGo is the first app I'd recommend. And just the fact that they have that larger network. One caveat with that is um, if you use the EasyGo app on the ESB network, there's a small bit of a price premium rather than using the second app that we're going to talk about, which is the actual ESB app themselves. Okay, before um, we jump into that though, quick question. You know the way you mentioned um, this, uh, the first app looks or, you know, in encounters and entails um hotels and all that kind of jazz yes. what's the is it more of an etiquette question than a policy question around if you're not staying in a hotel but you're driving and then there's a hotel nearby can you just swoop on in and use the charger very good question jess Thanks. we might have to do a separate piece on that and i've definitely planned to do a video on the channel about charging etiquette so they're normally known as destination chargers and what will happen is the, by rights, you should be either staying in the hotel or popping in for something to eat or having a cup of coffee or whatever it may be. Uh, usually they're a slower charger, so they would be more of an overnighter. Um, but if you are stuck and you are passing by a hotel and EasyGo have a charger installed in that, or it doesn't have to be EasyGo, it could be anything, um, you could pop in give yourself a bit of juice, pop into the hotel for a bit of lunch. And by the time you've had your lunch, half an hour, an hour, depending on how long it takes, uh, you'll have more electrons in your car and you can scoot on then and hopefully gets you to the, where you need to go. It's different to a petrol station and scenario where you're filling up mm -hmm. because you, you, you don't have the opportunity to fill up your petrol car at home. More, electric charging is more about getting you to where you want you need to go next and if there's a charger there you can pop in and, and do that kind of stuff but uh, etiquette wise usually because they're slower chargers you may or may not have people popping in but if you're you're going to be if it's a slow charger it means you're going to be there a while you'll usually pop in to get a bit of shopping or you will uh, get a bit of lunch if it's a hotel etc mm -hmm. okay i'm glad we covered that off and um, so the second app you said this is the esb one 
Correct. So the ESB eCars app, um, and actually just before we move on from EasyGo, they're refreshing their app. It's getting updated in the next couple of weeks, so there's going to be a new interface on that. Second app then is the ESB eCars app. So this is our state-provided one, uh, state-funded one app. You can see when people are on it. You can see, and same as EasyGo, you can see when people started charging. Uh, it'll only show their chargers, so your 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 network is slightly smaller. Um, you can sign up to a monthly subscription. All of these apps I'm going to talk about today are free. Some of them have premium versions where if you sign up to a monthly subscription, you'll get a cheaper price per kilowatt. Um, and so you have to judge it as to whether it's going to be, am I doing enough charging to justify the monthly cost? Uh, so ESB is a, a good one as well. That's probably going to appeal to people who do a lot of commuting. Like if you are a salesperson who travels around the country or... I have a friend who does commentary, uh, GAA commentary, so it's up and down the country like a yo-yo. In, mm. in that instance, for the subscription where you're getting the slightly cheaper rate is probably a good idea. Exactly. and so, But then you definitely have to crunch the numbers and say, is it worth me having um, a, a subscription so that am I saving enough of the cent per kilowatt over the month to justify that monthly fee? So there's How a much is the monthly fee? I think it's about five euros or seven euros. I can't remember offhand, but it's not that much. But, you know, you just have to make sure that it is worth your while rather than just having it for a cheaper price per kilowatt. But it's actually costing you more to have the monthly subscription. So do the maths, kids. Do the maths. Do the- <laughs> uh, what's number uh, three on our list? Uh, number three is a, an, an app called Zap Map marketing department was working there and this is an app for uk and ireland this is an interesting one in the sense of you can add charge points that you find yourself oh cool um, and this is very similar to the fourth app which is plug share so they're kind of the same so zap map is uk and ireland and plug share is uh, international so if you were doing a road trip across europe this would be the app that you'd use uh, you can filter by the type of connector that's on your car you can filter by whether you want just fast chargers uh, and this will show you though these two apps will show you exactly what's out there uh, so you sometimes you've got dealerships uh, certain brands of cars will have um chargers in their forecourt that they allow public to use they may not advertise it openly but people that have spotted it have charged that it will stick it into the app and say oh i've used the charger here it's behind at the back of the car park on the left hand side there'll be photographs up there as well you can check in um very much like uh, the old days of checking in when you were going to a pub or a restaurant uh, you can check in and but you also can report faults so it might be the card reader isn't working but the app is and so it's great kind of that crowdsourcing of information uh, in the ev charging community um i i checked in last tuesday the charger wasn't working somebody might check in on wednesday it got fixed and so there's that constant crowdsourced of information I really like that idea. There was um, an app, I think it was called Instabridge, I think is what the name of it was. And it would tell you where there was free Wi-Fi. And I used to use that all the time when I travelled back in the day. Very good. Um, in terms of obviously, the e- obviously with a VPN, Jess. Obviously. obviously. Um, in terms of the ESB app, actually, I just thought about it there. Does that show faults as well? So if you are planning your route, will it pop up of like, you know, the right. one that you were relying on yeah, is not working? They'll all do that. Um, okay. They'll all Now, the ESB one is slightly different in the sense of, uh, they, if I'm correct, they have to have an engineer go out. So even though I might have reported it as not working, they want to make sure that it isn't. So they'll send an engineer out. So it may take a while before any ESB engineer gets out mm-hmm. or whoever the subcontractor is. But the majority of them will say this charger is working. This charger has already been used by somebody else. And when you're looking to see, um, oh, I'm going to go to the charger down the road, you can go into whichever app you use, yeah. EasyGo, ESB, whatever. You can see that Jess pulled in and she's been charging for the last 40 minutes. 
if it's a fast charger and if it's a ESB fast charger, there's a, uh, an overstay fee of 45 minutes. So usually people will leave before that. So it's a great way of guesstimating. Do you know what? If I leave now, I know Jess potentially will be plugging out because she won't want to go over the 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great way of starting to understand when things are busy. And also there's now on the ESB app, um, how the busy times of the days, like that graph as to when the charger is busy or quieter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what's number five on the list? Number five on the list is uh, you pull up to a charger and there's somebody plugged in already. Mm-hmm. What do you do? What would Jess do if Jess was driving her electric car and she pulled up with the charger and somebody already plugged in and that person was not around, had gone off? I'd get really stroppy about it. <laughs> I'd probably take to Instagram, have a moan. Uh, right. I'd probably take to Twitter, Twitter. have a moan. Right. Uh and then I'd probably just sit there sulking until they got back and then be really passive aggressive with the big smile being like, oh, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. I was here for six hours, but it's totally fine. That's probably what let's, I do. Let's be more proactive about it and let's be fine. more positive. So there is an app, free app called Need to Charge, all one word and all words. Uh, and that's an app where you can put in your details. This is my car. This is my um, f- license plate number. Uh, and what the app does is acts as a middle person and keeps you anonymous. And so when I, uh, when you pull in uh, and you're behind my car and I'm gone off charging, you can put the reg of my car into the Need to Charge app and the app then will message me to say, uh, somebody's looking to get onto that charger, they're stuck to get home or whatever it may be, are you coming back soon, et cetera. And you can send an automated message saying, I'll be back in five minutes. So it's a nice way of staying anonymous, but keeping that charger and and being again back to the charging etiquette so mm-hmm. need to charge is the app i think it's a great idea and the fact that it's free uh, and they're they're the middle person that keep all your details so you, you don't have to leave a some people leave a card on the screen saying on the windscreen saying this is my phone number if you need to get in uh, give me a call oh that's very sound okay that's a, mm. probably a better approach than might be a stroppy teenager about it kind of but listen each to their own eh each to their own <laughs> uh what is number six before we get to the bonus one App number six is a better route planner, A-B-R-P, an amazing app. They have a free version and a premium version. And this is where you get into the the, the data and the nerds and the, and the geeks. This is where you can put in your, char- your car. This is where you can put in the state of charge that you've left in it. So uh, Jess has ABC car and she has 87% battery left and she wants to drive to Belmullerton County Mayo. Mm. Uh, it will map it out. It knows the car and it will know where you need to stop. Okay. Now, a lot of these apps will have that but this is probably the best one because it uh, it takes into account all the different variables in it and if you pay for the f- uh, subscription one it gives you even more details like what's the temperature uh, what is the gradient of the hills that you're going to be climbing really 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 good app more so for the geeks but definitely one if you're doing a bit of route planning where do i need to charge mm-hmm. this is a great app for that okay brilliant and we have time for just our bonus app so what is it and it's for all drivers, not just EV drivers. Mm. And you may have come across it before. And it's a company called, or an app called Waze, W-A-Z-E. It's actually a Google-owned company. It was one of their first purchases ages ago. And what Waze is, again, it's crowdsourcing. So as you're driving along, the app is tracking whether you're going fast or slow. And if it realizes that you're going slow and the car behind you is going slow and the car behind that is going slow, there must be a traffic jam. Oh. So it lets all the users know there's a traffic jam here. But you can also self-report as well. There's an accident. There's something on the side of the road. There's a vehicle stopped. 
Jess, you can also report if there's a speed point coming up ahead. And uh, mm-hmm. just to let other people know that it's there, it makes, nobody would be speeding, obviously, no. but uh, it's a way of helping each other understand what's on the roads. An amazing app uh, and one that uh, a lot of drivers, not just EV drivers, yeah, utilise uh, just to help each other out and about when you're out there. Brilliant stuff. That was a fantastic list of seven apps, don't you know, uh, from Derek Riley of the EV Review Ireland YouTube channel. Derek, as always, thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thanks, Jess. Coming up next, we'll hear from Irish company Hubcat about the opportunity they saw in the pandemic. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. On News Talk. Thanks to Think. From digital signage to audiovisual solutions, we've thought of everything. Visit thinkpm.ie. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Uh, last Thursday, I was down at Hugo's restaurant here in Dublin too uh, with the team from the Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cuddy was broadcasting there for the launch of Gateway to Europe Ireland. Uh, there were some fantastic people there. And one of the people I got talking to is actually my next guest. Uh, his name is Niall O'Toole and he's, he's the CCO of Hubcat, which is a technology company that... Uh, is looking to help people social distance during the pandemic. Uh, And I'm delighted to say that Niall joins me now. Niall, as I mentioned there, I got to see your tech in action last week. But for those who haven't heard about it or seen it as of yet, can you just explain a little bit about Hubcat and how the tech works? Yeah, no problem, Jess. Thank you very much. And it was great to see everyone out last week and about enjoying themselves. It's fantastic. So our product, Hubcat Allsafe, it's essentially a complete social distancing and contact tracing solution for businesses, organizations, or events. And what it does is every person at an event will wear a Hubcat clip. Now there's various different form factors. There's lanyard-based ones, there's wristband-based solutions, um, button-based solutions. And what they do is they communicate independently with each other. And if a tag senses the presence of another tag, Uh, in breach of social distancing guidelines, so two meters. What it does is it gives a vibration, a chirp, uh, a little audible alert. So it gives people a chance to moderate their behavior, take that little step back and make sure they're maintaining social distancing. So it's a direct response mechanism. Now, coupled with that at the back end, it also records all the interactions between tags. So uh, every single interaction is recorded. Um, And if at the end of the day, uh, you can get a report saying, well, which tags were in close contact for longer than 15 minutes. So that means that if in the instance of someone does report feeling unwell or symptoms or has a little bit of a fever, um, they can contact the administrator of the system. They will then be able to immediately pull out a report which shows, well, who has actually been, um, you know, who's at risk of exposure because they've spent longer than 15 minutes within the two meter social distancing guidelines. So very, very simple very, very effective and really user-friendly tool for, for people. Yeah, so as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, we were at the launch of uh, the Gateway to Europe Ireland programme last week. It was brilliant. Uh, Kieran Cuddy, he was down there broadcasting from Hugo's restaurant. Afterwards, we sat outside. Uh, a lot of us were just chatting there about technology and loads of different things. And before we sat down, I gave you my name and my telephone number. And then I put on the lanyard with the the small device. And it was completely um, uninvasive. I almost forgot. I I did forget about it to the point that when I was leaving, somebody actually had to ask for it back. I wasn't trying to steal it. I just forgot about it. Um, 
So in scenarios like that, that those events and so on, is it just simply a case of putting a, a username to the, the barcode or the number of the device they're wearing and that's the height of it? Yeah, so look, we're very, very conscious of the GDPR implications and so on and so forth. So in in an organizational context for, for companies, we recommend they use, you know, um, they use identifiers such as payroll numbers and so on and so forth. So it's just held by the organization themselves. Now, in the context of the event we had, we just simply took uh, names and numbers um, because it was a once only event. You know, it could be done uh, at a mass level by pre-authorizing and pre-issuing tags and wristbands and wearables to, to potential users at events. So there's a number of different ways which we which we can we can implement this this solution. Would that work? Um, sorry to interrupt you. Would that work? Say at um, a gig or a festival or something like that. Would that work if it was assigned to a ticket number or you know at the festival pilot festival a few weeks ago, people were getting antigen tests. Like, would it be possible to tie it to a system like that? So again, it doesn't have my personal information. It's just associated with my my ticket, so that it had my pen number or my seat number or whatever the scenario would be. Absolutely, completely, completely flexible that, that way. So we can build it any way that a particular organization or event wants to build it. So it could be linked to a barcode or to a ticket number, for example, as well. Okay, cool. And you, you mentioned there about the, the back end. For an office, like I obviously work in News Talk. We are in a, I think there's five floors in this building. News Talk is on the third floor, but we often go up to the fifth floor. That's, that's where our reception is. So in an office scenario like that, how much uh, equipment would you need in the back end? And do you need it on every floor or how exactly does it work? Yeah, so the uh, the tags, as I said, will operate independently. They can hold about 5,000 interactions and records of interactions, but they do need to send that data somewhere for analysis. So we have a system of Wi-Fi gateways, which we tend to place at high footfall areas. So, for example, a reception area, a sign-in area, or people do their... Their, their temperature monitoring or, or you know, um, logging into, in, into a building. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also put it a, at elevator banks. So, you know, at each floor, as the elevator opens, you can have a, a, a gateway there. The reality of what you're looking for, Jess, is really N minus one. So it's yesterday's contact tracing and such, you know. So all you need to do is make sure that they pass by one of the gateways at some stage during the day, and it'll collate all the data from the tags. Now, the beauty of it is as well is that, you know, because all tags are reading the data, um, e- even if someone misses a, a read on the day, their their data will be held on other tags. So you'll get that sort of network effect, that web effect, uh, where all the data is still maintained and it's, and it's still loaded up to the cloud for, for analysis. Um, they're actually not, it's not, you know, it's not cost pervasive to put them in as many places as you want. Um, we've had different companies look for extensions of the technology even where they can use it for fire drills and to know when someone has left a particular area or entered a particular area for health and safety issues, for asset tracking and so on and so forth. So there's numerous different applications for how a technology like this can help businesses manage their people, their products, their brand, their logistics on a day-to-day basis. Is this something that, uh, and again, theoretically, could could it be used in, in schools and so on? Yeah, um, we don't we don't actually see a, bar, a particular barrier to that either. Again, this is all about making another 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 way to mitigate against the risk of of COVID spread and to make sure we can do rapid contact tracing. So there's virtually 
you know, the very few environments where a technology like this wouldn't work. So you could see, as you said, um, universities, colleges, you know, people where maybe they haven't got the role of the vaccine yet, but they still need to make sure that if there is an incidence of an outbreak, um, you know, they can rapidly contact trace. And then also it's a visual reminder and it's a way of making sure that people maintain the social distancing protocols that we've all we've all had to you know to adhere to over the past 18 months um, and you know there will be a certain element of wear out and people are going to get tired and people want to go back to do their normal things and sometimes the simplest simplest methods so contact tracing washing your hands making sure you're being careful are the most effective in stopping the spread of COVID. And this is just another tool to make sure that we can help in that fight. What's the um, what's the background of the company? Is this something that's only been started in the last little while? Uh, so this technology is relatively new to the market. Our own business, um, we provide business critical solutions um, across a range of different industries, primarily in the space of um, direct push-to-talk communication, so instant communications. Um, we have our own application which does that, and that can sit on any device. Now, funnily enough, what actually happened was we're all um, ex-telecom guys, and we've connections across the Caribbean. We were asked by a government in the Caribbean, the Bahamas, to provide their a solution for their in-home quarantining. Now, our application was able to give direct communication between uh, quarantine patients and frontline workers. So we protect the frontline workers, doctors, nurses, so people could check their, their health and make sure they're okay. Um, but also it allowed us to geofence them because uh, we, we, you know, we could geofence by their location. So what we did was um, we helped the government of Bahamas set up a rapid COVID response force where uh, people who were asked to self-isolate their own homes for 14 days, if they breached that, that protocol or left their homes, well, then there was an alarm raised in central control and they could take the appropriate action. Now, that might be, you know, a direct communication just to ask them why they've left their area or because we can see their locations, we could send um, a police force in the end uh, out to make sure that they return to their area of quarantine. Wow, that's fascinating. It's interesting to see um, the different applications of it and so on. Yeah, well, it, it kind of began. That, that's what, where we got really interested in the wearable side of it, Jess, because... Mm-hmm. The logical, the logical question was, um, we actually got 93% compliance and adherence with that, with that program in the Bahamas. But the logical question was, well, what happens if someone leaves their phone behind? And that's where we came up with the, we decided to look into the Bluetooth space because obviously we could pair the Bluetooth device to the, their own handset, their own uh, cell handset, mobile handset. So that meant that wherever the handset was, they were. And that then coupled with our own location services, we were able to pinpoint exactly where people were. Um, and you know, the next extension on that was, okay, well look, people are coming out of quarantine, get back to work. This is all about getting the economy back open again. Um, and how are we gonna do that safely? So contact tracing seemed the logical uh, extension of it then. And that's where we, that's where we developed the all safe uh, range of products. And so what's next then? Because obviously we don't know what's going to happen in terms of the pandemic. We don't know how long social distancing, masks, all of the stuff that we're living through at the moment. Like obviously it's not going to go away in the morning, but what's the next step for Hubcat as business? Um, You know, are you looking far into the future or is it very much adapting solutions and creating solutions for the here and now? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of both, and I wish I had a crystal ball to give you a better answer on it. Um, but, 
you know, the core of our business is going from strength to strength. So our actual communications products are, are flying at the moment, which is fantastic, both here in Ireland, UK and Europe, and also further afield. So we're, 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 um, we're, we're putting on um, huge customer volume numbers at the moment, which is fantastic, okay? For the all safe and the contact tracing type products, I think, I think it's, it's, it's almost very, it's very difficult to predict what is going to happen. The guidance changes on a, you know, almost a weekly basis. Now we've built in, um, we've built in a lot of flexibility into the platform so that we can configure, you know, say in the pub, in the restaurant or pub sense, if contact, if social distancing guidelines come down to a meter, we can configure the devices just to, 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 to look for other devices within the meter. So we can configure that. I think there's a big shift in terms of asset tracking. So, you know, people in logistics, warehousing type companies who want to know where their assets are at any one time, this is the perfect technology to deliver that kind of solution for them as well. So there, again, we're open to looking at different applications, um, you know, but there's an element of like any business, we have to stick to the knitting and make sure that we, what we do, we do it well and we do it right. And that's, our, that's a really our core focus at the moment. Brilliant. So for the business is called Hope Cat with two Bs. You can find more information on hubcat.com. Nilo O'Toole, thank you so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thanks, Jess. It was great to be on. Thank you. And that is all we have time for this week. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. John Fardy's up next here on News Talk. I'll chat to you next week. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. On News Talk. Thanks to Think. From digital signage to audiovisual solutions, we've thought of everything. Visit thinkpm.ie.